0: In your Bible, Matthew chapter 13, please. If you'll read with me, Matthew chapter 13, and then Galatians chapter 6. If you find Matthew, turn on to Galatians 6, and we'll read from both passages. I'm starting a series today called The Laws of the Harvest. The Laws of the Harvest. And today the subject is we reap what we did not sow. We reap what we did not sow. Matthew 13 in verse 2, And great multitudes were gathered together unto him, so that he went into a ship and sat, and the whole multitude stood on the shore. And he spake many things unto them in parables, saying, Behold, a sower went forth to sow. And when he sowed, some seeds fell by the wayside, and the fowls came and devoured them up. Some fell upon stony places where they had not much earth, and forthwith they sprung up because they had no deepness of earth. And when the sun was up, they were scorched, and because they had no root, they withered away. Some fell among the thorns, and the thorns sprung up and choked them. Other fell into good ground and brought forth fruit, some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, some thirtyfold. Who hath ears to hear? Let him hear. And then in Galatians chapter 6 and verse 7, and one of those verses that probably everyone almost uh, here has already memorized. Galatians 6 and 7. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth, that shall he also reap. For he that soweth to his flesh shall of the flesh reap corruption. But he that soweth to the Spirit shall of the Spirit reap life everlasting. Let us not be weary in well-doing. In due season, we shall reap if we faint not. And thank you, and you may be seated. Last fall, we erected a statue of a figure that we call the sower. And you saw it as you came in today. We put it in the most prominent spot on the Property. We had a sculptor uh, create that force. We wanted to commemorate 50 years of ministry here at the church. And so the sower we felt like represented who we are, our mission that we're to be sowing the gospel seed. It represented so much about this church. And so we put it out there on the pedestal. And created a little garden around it. It's a beautiful, beautiful spot. I hope you're not so used to seeing it that you don't appreciate it and enjoy it when you come to the property. I love it at night. I sometimes park out there for a moment, just stop my car and look at it because it represents our ministry here so aptly. Now, I had planned back in February or March to preach a series called The Laws of the Harvest. And I was going to revisit the whole idea of the sower in a, in a little different light. And I never got to preach the series because the virus came. And once the virus gripped everybody's attention, I thought, I'm going to preach a series that nobody's thinking about. And I tried to make the preaching relevant to what was happening regarding the virus. And so I just kind of put this on the shelf. But I feel now that it's time for me to share with you the laws of the harvest. This is God's proven plan for you to have an abundant life. I'll say it again. The laws of the harvest are God's proven plan for you to live an abundant life. If you apply these principles in your life, I promise you, you will not fail in life. It may take you a while to get going, but if you'll apply the principles I'm going to teach in this series They will not let you down. They're God's laws for abundant living, and I promise you they are as infallible as is the law of gravity itself. Now, there's seven of them, and it's not going to take me seven weeks. It's probably going to take four or five. Some days I'll combine a couple of them together. But today I'm only going to take the first one, and it's probably the one you're least familiar with, And that is, we reap what we did not sow. We reap what we did not sow. What do I mean by that? I mean that much of what I am reaping in my life right now was planted either naturally or purposefully by God or by some other human being. Let me repeat that. Much of what is happening in my life, what I'm experiencing, what I'm reaping right now in my life was planted by somebody else, either naturally or purposefully, either by God or another human being. And so I am reaping what I did not sow. Now that thought has staggering implications, I'll tell you that that someone else plowed the ground in the past. Someone else sowed the seed. Someone else paid the price. Someone else labored out in the field. And now the crop has ripened. The crop has come in. And I get to reap that crop. And that crop might be positive, but that crop also can be negative. Either way, I am reaping I reap what I did not sow. I begin by telling you that this law is seen in the blessings of life. This law has a very positive side to it as well as a negative side, which we'll get to later, that this law can be seen in the blessings of life that I'm enjoying. You see, I am blessed by what other people have already done. I am blessed by seeds that were sown by people or by the Lord himself in the past. I'm a benefactor of much for which I've expended absolutely no effort whatever. It is pure mercy, pure grace that came to me because of the sowing and the plowing and the planting and the labor of other people. I think, first of all, the blessings of being an American this morning. Other people sowed the seeds of freedom And I'm enjoying that freedom right now. I think of the founders of the nation who gathered and planned out a nation that would be a representative democracy, that would be a a system of checks and balances with an executive, a judiciary, and and a legislative. I think of all the work and sweat and tears that they did. And then I think of the Revolutionary War where Uh, It was miraculous that we could win a war over the then most powerful nation on the earth, England. And yet we did it with ragtag volunteers. And I come right down through our history. And recently we have uh, looked back last month and it was the 75th anniversary of Normandy. And I watched some of those TV programs again because my father-in-law was one of those guys who was in one of those boats that the end of the boat dropped down and he, was, he, he went on shore, waded through the water, bloody water by the time he got there. It looked like it was blood itself. Thousands and thousands of men died in that invasion, the largest sea invasion in all of history. Thousands of people died. And because they died, they defeated Nazism, which the goal of Nazism, the goal of Hitler, was to conquer the world. And he had the power and strength. He probably, he he had a very good chance of doing so. But the sacrifice, the sowing of the seeds of their life and their freedom by those men on that day at Normandy broke the back of the Nazi war machine. And because of that, I reaped the benefits I reap what I did not sow. The labor of my father-in-law and tens of thousands more like him have blessed my life today. I reap what I did not sow. Don't ever let you, don't, please don't let the current climate in this country affect you. Don't ever let anybody tell you that America is not the greatest nation God's son ever rose on. And be proud that you're an American. Don't let anybody take that from you. Don't let that be gone. You see, we have more freedom, and we have more prosperity, and we have more opportunity, and we have more people being blessed than any place ever in all of history. And man, when I listen to the media today, I tell you what, I just get mad. I get in the flesh. It just bothers me when they're always putting down this country. I just don't hear very many people talk, talking it up. And I want to talk it up today because we are being blessed. We are enjoying this land of opportunity. And believe me, we did very little in most of our cases to inherit these blessings that we have. And so I'm thankful today. I'm blessed by people who have been long in their graves And I thank God that they sowed those seeds of freedom that I'm enjoying today. And then I think of the blessings of my family. You don't know this about me. I've never told you in all these years. I think it's time to reveal to you that I am a rich man. I got more money than Warren Buffett. No, I don't. I said money, didn't I? I should have said, I'm richer than Warren Buffett. (laughs) Big mistake. I'm richer than Bill Gates. I'm richer than Donald Trump. Not with money, but with an inheritance that godly parents built into me. Who taught me to love the Lord Jesus Christ. Who taught me to know the Bible. Who taught me to pray. Who showed me that it's possible to live a righteous life in a very wicked world. They passed on that inheritance to me. They talked to me about about it so much, it's really, it's stamped down in my DNA. And I'm blessed by what they did. They're out there in the cemetery. They've been out there a long time. The seeds that they sowed, though, in my life, I thank God today. See, I'm reaping what I did not sow they taught me to love. They taught me how to have a family. They never sat down and said, Bill, this is how you do family. They showed me by their example. They showed me how that my mom and dad loved each other, and they loved our kid, the kids. They showed me how to behave myself in public. They showed me so many, I guess, a thousand things. I can't even think of what they are today. But today, when I find myself living, even at my age, I still, well, what did mom and dad do? And I think back. And they put all that into me, and I'm reaping blessings that I did not sow. I think of the blessing of this church. Hundreds of people now for 51 years have worked. People have given their money. People have prayed. People have witnessed and invited their friends to church. People have labored and sown the seed. And we sit here today, you look up at this beautiful edifice that God has given us. You look at all this property, you drive around it, and you see it. You look at all the people, for the most part, very willing people, people who want to please the Lord in their life, people who sacrifice for the very cause of Jesus Christ. You look at all these people and all that God has blessed us with, And you know what? Many of us just came in five years ago. We didn't have to go through all that pioneer stage. You weren't in the theater building. Some of you wish you could have been, but you couldn't. But now you're reaping blessings that you did not even sow. So don't take for granted your country. Don't take for granted your family. Don't take for granted your church. Don't take for granted the blessings of God. I think one of the absolute most important qualities that any person can have in their character is gratitude. Oh, how easy it is to forget the blessings of God and to forget where they came from. In the book of James, chapter number one, verse 17, there is a verse, that is a key verse for all of us who want to please the Lord. It says, every good gift and every perfect gift cometh down from the Father above. Every good gift, everything that I have that blesses my life comes down from God. It comes down from Him in the form of life, in the form of health, in the form of freedom, in the form of my my family, the things I've already mentioned. All the good things of life are mine And you know what? In most cases, I didn't sow the seed. Somebody else sowed it. I am reaping what I did not sow. I thought this week as I prepared the message, and I wrote out a question, and it's before me right now. What would my life be like if Jesus Christ had never come? Take Jesus Christ out of the picture. I'll tell you what you won't have. You won't even have Western civilization. Western civilization is built upon what we call the Judeo-Christian culture, the Judeo-Christian values. If Jesus Christ hadn't come, you wouldn't be living in a Judeo-Christian, you wouldn't be living in, in the Western civilization itself because it never would have started without the life of Jesus Christ. And of course, without Jesus Christ, we would have no gospel. We're here today because of the gospel. What is the one common thread that holds us together here today as a church family. It's the gospel of Jesus Christ. We're tall, and we're short, and we're black, and we're white, and we're well-off, and we're poor, and we're every kind of person, diversity of many different kinds represented right here before me this morning. But you know what? There's one commonality that we have that we better never forget. It's the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the thing that binds us together that God looked down upon this earth and he saw the people of the earth and they had rebelled against him from the very first generation. Adam and Eve were the first that fell into sin. And that sin came into our being. It came into our very DNA. It came into our psyche. We have to work to do right, not to do wrong. We have this propensity, we lean in the direction of evil unless there are other factors that hold us back as I preached to you from last week. And the Lord God looked down and saw our lost condition, that we were lost, and He saw that we were absolutely helpless to do anything about it. That a person cannot save himself. There's not enough good works that you can do to put on the scale that will offset your sin. You can't get rid of the sin by doing good. And so, the Lord saw we were helpless. Every one of them will perish because none of them have the capacity to save themselves. And he not only saw that we were helpless, but he saw that there was a death sentence. The wages of sin is death, that every one of us were on the road to hell, very frankly, and He sent His Son. His Son was not an ordinary man. His Son was the Son of God, but He was also God the Son, the second person of the Trinity. And Jesus Christ came here and lived a perfect life for 33 years. Not one sin, had He sinned one time, He would not have been eligible to take away our sins but he lived a perfect life, and then voluntarily went to the cross and shed his blood. Wicked men crucified him, not even knowing what they were doing. And what was happening is his blood was the seed that would give eternal life and victory over death to every single human being who would repent of their sins and put their faith in him. And he died on that cross, and three days later, he walked out of that tomb under the power of God, ascended back to heaven, and today the gospel is the good news. The good news is this, ladies and gentlemen, if you will repent of your sins, which means to change your mind about your sins, see sin as wrong, see sin as the evil that it is, to see sin like God sees sin. And to turn from it and turn to the cross of Christ and put your confidence and faith in His shed blood, the Bible says He'll give you eternal life as a gift. Free by grace are you saved through faith in that, not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not of works, lest any man should boast. The gospel If it weren't for that today, I wouldn't be here. This building wouldn't be here. You wouldn't be here. Life would have no hope. We would all be perishing in our sins. And the gospel of Jesus Christ makes the difference for us all. Billy Sunday, the great evangelist, Major League Baseball player who gave it all up and quit to be a preacher. And he's a wild evangelist. Man, the stories about him are so funny. And he had this big tent revival. I think it was in Omaha, Nebraska, somewhere out there. Thousands of people had come under the big tent to hear Billy Sunday preach. People got saved. Oh, how that guy could preach. And uh, the, the next morning after the meeting closed, and they were taking down the tent and folding the chairs, and Billy Sunday, humble man as he was, he was right out there helping them tear it all down, doing the work. And this young man came up and said, I'm looking for Billy Sunday. Is he still here? And somebody said, yeah, it's him right over there folding those chairs. And so the man came to Mr. Sunday. and said, Mr. Sunday, I was here last night. I heard you preach the gospel, how people could be saved. But it's the first time I've heard that. And I went home. I couldn't sleep. I thought about it all night. Mr. Sunday, what do I need to do? To get saved and Billy Sunday they said didn't even stop folding the chairs he said you're too late you're too late son And the young man stood there's done what do you mean it's too late for me what do I need to do to get saved I've thought about it all night I've prayed I want to be saved Billy Sunday continued folding the chair it's too late son and then looked at him and smiled He said, it's too late for you to do anything because Jesus has already done it all. That's the gospel, isn't it? If I had to do anything to save myself, I couldn't. The good news, the gospel of Jesus Christ, is that he sowed the seed and I reap the crop, the crop of salvation, that I reap what I did not sow. There's a verse in 1 Corinthians, a phrase there that says, it says, what do you have that you did not receive first corinthians chapter 4 what do you have that you did not receive answer not much <laughs> not much if you take what god has given me you take what my family gave me you take what the country's given me well that's about everything that i have and everything that i'll ever be isn't it what do you have that you did not receive not much I have been blessed. I reap what I did not sow. But there's another side to that law, and it's not quite as pleasant, because the law is seen in the evil and the difficult things that we all reap in life. And believe me, if you haven't reaped some of those dark and evil things, you will if you live long enough. We not only reap the blessings, the positives, That we have not sowed. We also reap negatives that we have not sown. Turn again with me to Matthew chapter 13. But we'll go deeper down into the chapter this time because there's a second sower in Matthew chapter 13. There's the one that we have the picture of or the statue of outside. But there's another sower here in Matthew 13, and verse 24, another parable put he forth unto them, saying, the kingdom of heaven is likened unto a man which sowed good seed in his field. But while men slept, circle that phrase, while men slept. When men are sleeping, it's the night. Men are sleeping, they're unconscious. While men are not paying attention, while men are unconscious, an enemy came and sowed tares among the wheat and went his way. So here is the sower who sows the good seed in the field, the field representing life. And then we have at night, while the sower is sleeping, the enemy comes and he sows the tares. And The tares represent the bad, the negative here. You know, the tares got sown in our fields that affect us, and we weren't aware of it either. And there's no way to even elude it. Many people today are living a life of difficulty and pain, and they didn't even sow it. just came to them in life as it were i was thinking about this pandemic thing and how it's affected people and i'm really really concerned about how this for example has affected our children can you imagine being a little child right now and not really understanding you're a seven eight year old kid i mean everything you hear right now is negative Everything you hear right now is, brings fear, could bring, could bring fear to a child's heart. We've got our kids here. Our little kids are sitting at a desk, and they've got a plastic shield all the way around them. Everywhere they go, we're telling a little kid to wear a mask. Man, that, that stinking thing makes me miserable. Can you imagine how that affects a six-year-old boy? And everywhere, you go, oh, you've got to wear your mask. You might get it. You might get sick. And, and living in that atmosphere of fear all the time, of always having to be warned, of having to be held back, of, of what if being planted in your mind, how's that, how's that going to affect this generation of kids? Have you thought about that? I know people that, um, I know people that fam- they grew up in a family. A family culture where everything they did was criticism. People were fussing and fighting and bickering and quarreling and griping and complaining. That was the atmosphere of that family. And now they're 50 years old. And you know what they do? They gripe and complain and fuss and quarrel and bicker. It was just built into them. It was sewn into them. And they're really very negative people. They're not people that you want to be around a whole lot sometimes. And why is that? Because it was sown into them. They're reaping a crop they didn't even sow. How tragic. A preacher over in Atlanta, pastor of the third or fourth largest church in America right now, recently said, we're closing the church until 2021. I'll be online, but we'll have no public services. People won't see each other now. It'll, it will be almost a year before they ever meet again. And I read what his statement said, and here was the reason he said it. He said, We can't guarantee your safety. News flash, preacher. You never could guarantee their safety. <laughs> You might, you might get killed on the freeway coming to church. You never could, and you never will be able to because there are seeds sown that we can't do anything about. We have to live our lives. And right now, speaking of those seeds that have been sown that we're reaping the evil of, I graduated from high school in 1961. I remember what the 60s were like. I went to Carolina, and I'd never even heard of dope. And then there were a few people taking pills down the hall. First time I'd ever even heard of it. It was the age of innocence compared to today, but then there was Woodstock, and there was the drug culture, and then there was the psychedelic stuff, and then it just went from one thing to another thing to another thing to another thing and seeds were being sown in people's minds, particularly in colleges. College professors were telling people that man was not a product of divine creation. Man was a product of a blind, random choice called evolution, that the Bible was full of errors, that the Bible was a book of myths. And worse, they said, America is an oppressor nation, America's not a good place. America was built on evil. And those seeds were being sown. Sixties, seventies, eighties, nineties. Abortion came in. Oh, it's okay to take a human life up until it's born according to the law today. Today. And this tide of evil has been rolling across America, unequaled by anything ever in the past. And when you read the paper today, let me tell you what you're doing. You are seeing America reap for the seeds that have been sown in this country for the last 70 years or so. In the Old Testament, God would send natural disasters. He would send earthquakes and storms and pestilences. And, and the prophets then picked up on it. They were sensitive to what God was doing. So the prophets would say to the people, we're having a famine. We're having a drought. We're having an earthquake. Uh, there's a pestilence come into the land, and people are dying. And the prophets would, would preach to the people, and they would say to the people, have you thought, people, ha- have you thought that this could be from God? God. This is from God, sometimes they would say. And then particularly you read Amos and you read uh, Joel and some of those prophets and they would say, why have you not returned? And they would plead with the people. They would give these invitations. Come back to God, return to him, and he will bless you again. One of my heroes is Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Solzhenitsyn was a... A Russian writer, author, famous before all this happened to him. Everybody in Russia knew him by name. And then Solzhenitsyn began to point out the errors and the evils of communism and socialism. And Solzhenitsyn was arrested by the communists. He was put in the the torture camps, the slave camps up in Siberia. And while he was there, he would write at night under his blanket, and he wrote a novel. The novel was that thick, The Gulag Archipelago, and he revealed the evils of what was happening in those those slave camps, slave labor camps up there in Siberia. And finally, one day, somebody smuggled it out, and it came to the West, and it came to America, and they translated it into English, and it became the biggest selling book of the decade then. Everybody was reading the Gulag Archipelago, reading about how people were being treated. They were being killed. They were being starved. They were being uh, subject to every kind of evil. And he became a very, very famous man. He won the Nobel Peace Prize for his effort in revealing what the Soviets were doing up there. He really was one of the guys that influenced Ronald Reagan to say, tear down that wall. So he was a highly influential figure. And in his book, here's what he wrote, and I copied it for you. He described the revolution and the blood in the streets and the hatred that was being engendered in the society. And then Solzhenitsyn said, he described a scene where he said, the old people, the older generation of Russians, would say to their children and to their children's children, they would say, look, do you know why this evil, this communism, this socialism, this violence, do you know why this has come into our nation? And the children and grandchildren say, no, father, grandfather, we don't know. And Solzhenitsyn said the old people would say, because men have forgotten God. In the old days, we went to church and we honored God. Evil has come to our nation because men have forgotten God. That's why all of this has happened. And ladies and gentlemen, I stand before you to say to you, why has all of what is happening in our nation happened? And I want to say because America has forgotten God. Right now, there's more disasters happening in America right now as I speak than perhaps, than perhaps ever before in our history. There's a worldwide pandemic. There are windstorms in Iowa that destroyed 10 million acres of corn. There's a hurricane in Louisiana that had the highest wind speed of a hurricane ever hitting the mainland. There are wildfires in California burning their cities. There are riots spreading across the land. America, wake up. God is warning you, don't forget God. The seeds have been planted for generations. The crop is coming in. An entire generation now is embracing a whole narrative of lies. How low can we go? I guess you've read about the Netflix movie, The Cuties. Eleven-year-old girls twerping. I had to look that up, and I was embarrassed when I read it. Dancing, depicting sexual acts. Eleven years old. And the critics are raving about it. This is good. This is art. This depicts the way girls feel. Eye candy for pedophiles. America, we've forgotten God. Do you know where America is right now? America is living in the Romans In Romans chapter 1, I'll read to you Romans chapter 1. God shows his anger from heaven against all sinful, wicked people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. That is why God abandoned them to their shameful desires. Even the women turned against the natural way to have sex and indulged in sex with each other. And the men, instead of having normal sexual relations with women, burned with lust for each other. Men did shameful things with other men, and as a result of this sin, they suffered within themselves the penalty they deserved. Since they thought it was foolish to acknowledge God, he abandoned them in their foolish thinking to let them do the things that should never be done. Their lives became full of every kind of wickedness, sin, greed, hate, envy, murder, quarreling, deception, malicious behavior, and gossip. They became backstabbers, haters of God, insolent, proud, and boastful. They invent new ways of sinning, and they disobey their parents. They refuse to understand. They break their promises. They're heartless. They have no mercy. They know God's justice requires that those who do these things deserve to die, and yet they do them anyway. Worse yet, they encourage others to do them too. End of quote. Someday when the judgment comes to America, and it will, somebody will unearth the Lincoln Memorial that got buried in a pile of trash, and they'll read the words of Mr. Lincoln at his second inaugural inauguration, words from Psalm 19, the judgments of the Lord are true and they're righteous all together. The judgments of the Lord are true and they're righteous. Now, I don't want to leave you on a downer note. Is there any hope? Oh, yes, there's hope. We're reaping what we did not sow that wicked people with a plan to destroy the nation, I believe, conceived. Turn quickly to Isaiah chapter 1. Isaiah chapter 1, and here is where we are and what we need to be as Christians today. Isaiah chapter 1 and verse 9, Except the Lord of hosts had left in us a very small remnant. Now he's writing to Israel. Isaiah is the prophet speaking these words. Unless the Lord of hosts had left us a very small remnant, a small percentage of people who are righteous people, we would have been as Sodom and we would have been like Gomorrah. But he said there's this small remnant, this small group of righteous people, and this righteous remnant is the salt that preserves our society. This righteous remnant is the light that drives back the darkness that is enshrouding the nation of Israel. And ladies and gentlemen, I say to you today, and I believe it from the bottom of my heart, we are that remnant in America, God's people, the saved, the born again, the Christians who love the Lord with purity of heart. We are that remnant in America. And you have a responsibility, and I have a responsibility to be that salt, to be that light, to be that remnant, to stand. Somebody said to me recently, what do you think is happening? I said, God is purifying his church. God is purifying his church. He's finding out the people that really are serious about the Lord Jesus Christ. And COVID is revealing that to people. And we are that remnant. And I want to encourage you with, from the bottom of my heart, you stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. You stand for His Word. You stand up for Him. You be the light in your family, in your neighborhood, where you work. You be that light. You take that responsibility. You know what? God will bless you for doing it. Our heads are bowed. Our eyes are closed. Stand with me, if you will, please, reverently and quietly to your feet.